Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture, and thank you for joining us as we kick off another week. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for letting us be part of your day. So many things going on, lots of items in the news. We're going to sort through several of them here on the program today. We'll talk weather with ETM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Lots of issues to go over with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. We'll be talking about the RFS. We'll be talking about trade. We'll be talking about budget. Lots of things to talk about with Senator. And we'll be talking with the National Pork Producers Council because we had big news on Friday from China that opens the door to, looks like, some sales of pork and soybeans. And we'll talk about the pork side of that with Maria Zeba with the National Pork Producers Council a little bit later on. So, Kind of right where we left off on Friday, we pick up with a busy Monday morning to get things started. Here's Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, we got this long list of things. I know your staff is busy covering them. We're trying to keep everyone up to date. Let's start right at the top with uh, the budget situation. And we kind of expected, you know, a continuing resolution. But now uh, a new wrinkle has been thrown in there that could impact uh the trade aid payments, right, if, if uh, it comes down to whether or not the, uh, the uh, Commodity Credit Corporation is funded. That's correct, Mike, and good morning. It has been a busy few days, given all the trade announcements and then uh, everything that's going on now that Congress is back to work. We do need to have a continuing resolution out uh, before October 1st so we can keep the government running. And we thought everything was moving forward. Uh, the House has passed uh, 10 of their 12 appropriations bills, but the Senate is really just getting started, including this Tuesday. Uh, they'll work on uh, USDA and FDA funding in Senate Appropriations Subcommittee. But the wrinkle that you're referring to was really came out of a, a little bit of a surprise, uh, not if you were reading the Environmental Working Group news releases, because they were highlighting how some of the biggest MFP payment recipients were also on the Trump advisory team. Uh, some of the Democrats on the Appropriations Committee took that to heart and decided they're going to lift up a blockage of making a refunding of commodity credit cor- corporation payments uh, a big issue in this uh, continuing resolution. Well, not so fast, I think, for a lot of other rural Democrats who are saying, our farmers really need these. And you can't just, you know, cherry-pick that some folks uh, perhaps got more money than others, and they were a lot larger farmers. Uh, and the, there's going to be, a, I think, a real pushback by some of the more conservative rural Democrats who were able to win re-election in conservative areas. They're going to go to bat for their farmers. Yeah, it's a it's a showdown. It's a battle to watch, certainly, with all the pressure of uh, a looming government shutdown. Uh, and we, we've been down that road before, too. So there'll be a lot right. of pressure well, to get it then. Yeah, and it doesn't help rural Democrats who are, especially the ones no. that are on the campaign trail right now, trying to say, we really want to win back part of rural for the Democratic Party. And then you get a messaging vote like that that raises its ugly head. It really seems counterproductive for some of the people in the party leadership, I would think. 
It really does. So let's turn to what is viewed as positive news. That's uh, the move by China at the end of last week that opens up some soybean and pork sales. Yeah, that was really enthusiastically greeted, I think, not only by the markets, by the wild farmers around the country. Of course, there was some confusion on whether they were lifting tariffs in total or lifting the increase in tariffs, which is what it turned out to be. But still, a lot of olive branches being floated out there between not only our government and the Chinese government. Uh, starting to buy some additional pork, as you're going to talk to the pork producers, I know, but also the sale of soybeans, physical exports moving, announcement of new sales, all that's good. Um, also, of course, the other international news is the strike on the Saudi refinery, which has been really you know, shaking the oil markets and, and having some reverberation throughout the industry as well. So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of international news that we've been trying to keep our eyes on. And on the China situation, I guess everyone has got their own spin on it, uh, but the big question is now, was this China blinking because things are, you know, they're feeling the pressure at home, or is just a, a goodwill gesture headed into the next round of talks? Uh, what's, what seems to is there a consensus? What are you hearing on this? I don't think there is a consensus. I think it's a little both. Obviously, you could see the economic pressures uh, that are on the Chinese government right now and trying to keep their economy still moving ahead despite all these high tariffs. So they are feeling some pain. I think there's also a, an interest in demonstrating some goodwill while still getting a win for them as well because they do need pork and soybeans uh, after all that devastation from African swine fever. Uh, and I think that there's a sign that, you know, as, as uh, the kind of the second-tier negotiators to firm up discussions again in advance of October talks at the highest level, that uh, there wants to be some goodwill in the air uh, as they move forward. So I think you could probably say most people talk about a combination of factors. And where are we on USMCA? Do you feel there's momentum moving forward to get this voted on this year or not? Well, there's action. Uh, as we've reported on agripulse.com, there was a um, pushback by some of the Democrats again on what Lighthizer, U.S. Trade Ambassador Bob Lighthizer, had presented in response to some of their requests, and now that's gone back again. I think the good news, Mike, is that there is that back and forth happening. Uh, there's not been a stalemate in the discussions, and so I'm, I'm still fairly bullish for end of year. Uh, but it, it is going to take people like this rally that we had last week with all the farm groups. It's going to take the grassroots folks talking to members saying, you know, this is something that has to be done for American agriculture if it's going to happen. And there's another issue that would be tough for some uh, farm state Democrats to uh, defend if for some reason this derails and doesn't get voted on this year. Well, absolutely, because it's, uh, you know, when we talked to Tom Vilsack, the former Secretary of Agriculture, in our open mic this week, and you can just see how maybe it's not the best deal ever, but it's a better deal than what we had, and it gives these companies uh, certainty and these organizations that want to increase trade when we so sorely need it, uh, just that much more of an avenue. So it, it seems to me like uh, it's going to be hard to talk about how you can't get to yes. And we haven't gotten to the RFS war that's going on. I mean, it is a busy time. <laughs> it really is. And 
You know, I'm really interested to see what they're going to come out with, and I think everybody else is, too. Uh, Governor Kim Reynolds from Iowa was quoted over the weekend as saying, if what we agreed on is what we see in writing, then they're going to invite the president to announce in Iowa. But that's always an if. You know, if what they talked about and what they did agree on holds is is another matter. So uh, we're all anxiously waiting to see how they might provide another win for ethanol, uh, especially as we're looking at all these plants. I think 10 have closed and several have shut down or uh, drastically reduced production. Right. Uh, so stay tuned. Yeah, that's right. We shall see. It gives us plenty to cover. That's for sure. Sarah, thanks for being with us. Always appreciate the update. I appreciate you too, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. We'll talk more about those issues later in the program, but up next we talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Your diesels are your engines of prosperity, so they deserve the best treatment. And with FS Fuel and Lubricant, you'll give them the gold standard. Diesel X Gold High Performance Fuel plus Suprex Gold ESP Engine Oil. Formulated to work together, they'll keep your diesels running longer and stronger, from farming to construction to trucking. Visit FSGoldStandard.com or talk with your local FS Energy Specialist. FS, bringing you what's next. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Let's take a look at the ag economy. Joining us now is John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, good to talk with you. I guess if we look at the ag economy, you'd have to look at it in two ways. One, with the MFP payments that came out, and what would it be if we did not have those MFP payments? It, it certainly is. USDA last week updated their, their forecast for farm economy in 2019. When we first saw that forecast uh, earlier in the year, and back in March, it was at $69 billion. Uh, After that, the the government came in and announced a very second round of trade aid. We also passed a disaster bill. And so now USDA's projected farm income in 2019 at $88 billion, quite a significant difference uh, than where we were back in March. And if you take all those trade aid payments, farm bill payments off the table, uh, farm income in 2019 is still... Uh, in the bottom 50%. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. 
But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, uh, it's been another interesting week on weather. We've had, you know, varied conditions, mixed bag across uh, much of the Midwest. What's in store for us this week? Well, Mike, it's going to be uh, on the warm side again on temperatures, and so that pretty well takes a uh, freeze concern out of the picture, I think probably through the end of the month now into early October. And um, there's going to be a new round of rain over the northern part of the Corn Belt in uh, the northeastern plains, northern Midwest. I don't think it's going to be nearly as heavy as we saw last week, but we're still going to likely see um, amounts in that three-tenths to one-inch range, maybe a little bit heavier. And uh, I think that there could be some local flooding again just because of how the uh, soil profile is uh, so saturated right now. But you do have to think that with this uh, milder temperature trend that is going to stay with us for, um, again, an extended period of time, that even uh, the very, very late planted uh, corn especially is going to have at least a chance of getting the most out of the crop that's there. Now, there's been a lot of variability in uh, how the ears have formed, how pollination went, and all of that. But at least for what's there, I think that the um, the temperature pattern is going to allow the um, you know the the uh, crop again to get the most out of uh, what is available, considering all the uh, tough uh, uh, sledding that it had going into this season. Yeah, some of those concerns have been at least uh, lessened, shall we say, for right now. But yeah, these precipitation totals i mean areas that are still way 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 too wet and others are are pretty dry yes they are uh and you know that's um i think going to cause problems at harvest when it's all uh when it's all shaken out because uh you know that uh, that wet soil in the northern midwest uh, the northeastern plains uh, that's not going to uh, go away quickly and it's not going to take very much rain uh, when it does develop uh, to, um, you know, to cause a new round of, of uh, very wet ground and make it tough to uh, get harvest underway. I think there could also be some crop loss because of uh, the heavy rainfall, but it uh, is going to be localized. Uh, as far as areas that are dry, there, there may be some impact on maybe drying the grain out a little bit too much, but at this point, uh, the way the trade is acting, uh, the concern... I think is uh, most notable uh, for soybeans, and that, uh, to me, is just related to daylight length. Uh, We're getting far enough along in the season. The soybeans are turning no matter what the temperature is. It can stay fairly mild, but uh, soybeans, just by virtue of uh, the daylight length changing, are uh, changing color, and they're starting to drop their leaves, and so we have that 
as a, um, I think, a little bit of uh, an obstacle to getting perhaps uh, the kind of uh, yield that we would like to have. And um, that's going to be, I think, a direct function of uh, how delayed things were at the onset of planting last spring. Now, you mentioned it warming up this week. I mean, really warming up. I mean, it's summer-like weather in a lot of the Midwest. Feels like August. There's no doubt about it. Now, it is it is going to be cooler as we go through the week because there's a, a, a pretty intense trough out in the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest that's going to uh, make its way eastward and uh, across the Rockies and the Plains and into the Midwest. However, it's not a uh, it's not a northern origin trough. It's a Pacific origin trough, and so because of that, even though it gets cooler, it doesn't get real cold. And in fact, uh, the the uh, Canadian prairies have been on the warm side over the past few days, uh, so they're not going to turn uh, you know very cold either. And I think that's all to the benefit of uh, this temperature pattern. You know, as we, again, try to get the very most that we can out of what's out there. So this trough is going to be Pacific origin, uh, not as cold as it would be if it were, say, swinging out of the uh, Canadian Northwest Territories. That's not, that's not where this trough is coming from. And then next week, we're going to have uh, kind of a transitional, uh, kind of back-and-forth week a little bit, but still not, not on the cold side, Mike. And I think that... Um, maybe some uh, producers who are hoping that the first freeze holds off for a couple weeks, by golly, uh, if, if this pattern holds together, they may get that wish uh, validated, and that would be a, a real uh, hallmark detail uh, for this crop year. Yeah, but we, we focus so much on, on the temperature part of it. We'll soon be watching that precipitation part of it from the standpoint Will we have the same trouble getting the crop out because of wet weather that we had getting it in because of wet weather this spring? I think that there's going to be some of that happening uh, in the northwestern Corn Belt. And, and for me, um, Interstate 80 uh, is, a, is a fair boundary. Um, U.S. Highway 20 is certainly a southern boundary. And uh, we're going to have some issues this coming fall uh, when when we get into the field and our DTN forecast in October is is a forecast that to me is a uh, is a forecast that brings a note of caution in that respect because uh, in our view October is going to be a month where we have above average precipitation across the entire corn belt and uh, so that comes right at the time when everybody told me at Husker Harvest Days last week that they would be ready to get into the field. And here we come with October having a pretty wet uh, signal to it. And so that is going to slow things down. Now, my thought is that it's not going to be as chronically slow as last year was because it's not going to be nearly that heavy on the precipitation side. But nonetheless, uh, it is going to slow things down, and it is going to mean that harvest is kind of uh, dragged out because of periodic uh, wet weather delays. And I don't think there's going to be any way of avoiding that this year. Adding to the challenges of uh, what's already been a very challenging year. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, uh, how are things looking in South America? Well, they're not real favorable for the onset of the Brazil planting season, uh, which can get underway now. Uh, Yesterday, September 15th, was the first official day uh, 
and of course Brazil does that uh, in order to have a, a complete prohibition uh, on uh, soybean planting so that they can uh, keep control of soybean rust development. Uh, they came up with that strategy going on about 10 years ago now. Anyway, um, this week, even though they can get in the field legally, uh, nature-wise, they're probably not going to do a whole lot because it is staying uh, well above normal on temperatures, particularly in Mato Grosso. They've had a lot of highs uh, topping 100. It's been 100 to 105. It's going to be that way again this week, and rainfall is going to be pretty inconsistent. Uh, There may be just a little bit of far western Mato Grosso that gets a few showers, but otherwise it's going to stay dry. So I think they've got a uh, delayed start going on, Mike, and uh, if they do that, then that just kind of sets the whole crop cycle in Brazil back a ways, and it uh, could lead to a later soybean harvest and, in turn, a later start to that second corn crop that is such a big uh, producer uh, in in terms of uh, the percentage that it uh, offers to the Brazil corn crop. So that certainly is one to keep track of. Yeah, it's it's that time of year we have one eye on our weather for harvest and one eye on their weather for planting. Yeah, very very much so. And... um, and so this, uh, this situation in Brazil is starting out to be a little bit of a contrast compared with a year ago, because last year at this time, they started to get rainfall in central Brazil in this mid-September time frame. So planting started early, and they got along quite well. And, of course, uh, in the first quarter of the calendar year 2019, they got their corn in in, in good shape, and they had a big corn crop. And so that's been a... Um, a real big feature in the world supply all the way through uh, the last six months or so. All right, Bryce, thanks. Well, the calendar says this is our last week of summer for this year, and it, uh, at least it's going to be that way for a while, it sounds like, for us, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a little flavor of the season right at the end now. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Bryce. Talk okay. to you next week. You're welcome. All right. You're welcome, Mike. D- you bet. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, coming up next... Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, lots to talk about. We'll get his thoughts on the RFS. He's been very outspoken on uh, this issue and what uh, he wants to see from the White House. Maybe we can get some insight what might be coming from the White House on that. Also, we're going to talk to him about the budget battle and uh, how that could uh, impact farmers when it comes to any uh, trade aid payments. And, of course, uh, we got the Waters of the U.S. rule and trade with China, all kinds of things to talk about with the senator. That's coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me 
Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Mixed activity for the grain and oil seed sector early on a Monday. Firm tone in corn and in wheat soybean futures seeing action on either side of steady money. Chinese buyers of about 256,000 metric tons worth of U.S. soybeans, according to USDA on Monday. That's now 460,000 tons of soybeans that China has purchased recently for delivery during the 2019-2020 marketing year. Last week, Reuters News reporting that Chinese buyers had agreed to purchase roughly 600,000 tons. New crop November soybeans closed above 896 and three quarters on Friday. That's the swing high from August 13th. That level now becomes key nearby support. An hour into the day, we're at 898 and a half, down a quarter of a cent. In corn, new crop December up two at 370 and three quarters. Weather forecast dry today in the western Corn Belt, light to locally moderate showers favoring northern Iowa and southern Minnesota late Wednesday, Wednesday night. Eastern Corn Belt mostly dry today through Wednesday. In the weights, Chicago December up four and three quarters, 488 and a quarter. Kansas City wheat December up eight at 407 and three quarters. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle December contract 30 cents higher at 104.67. Feeder cattle October up 45 at $135 per hundred weight. Lean hog futures, December contract, 42 cents higher, 69.12. Outside markets on a Monday, the Dow down 93, NASDAQ down 18, S&P down 6. October crude oil, New York up $5.60. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, Rusty Halverson, American Ag Network. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, who joins us now. Thanks, Senator, for being with us. Hey, I don't need to tell you. I'm always glad to be with you. And what really makes me feel good, you've got a lot of people out in farmland uh, listening to you because some people tell me that they enjoy hearing me on your program. 
Well, we appreciate that. So let's get to the, the all the issues that we can here, and we got a lot of them. Let's start with the RFS, waiting to hear from the administration. Uh, we had some leaks to what might come and uh, been some uh, reaction to that. You and others didn't like what you heard early on. What are you hearing now? Do you think we're going to hear uh, official word anytime soon? I'm, I'm going to give you a bottom line, and then I'll g- get into... Uh, the process. Bottom line is, we had a very productive meeting, and if what was agreed to shows up on paper, then uh, I think that it's a win-win for everybody. Ernst uh, Reynolds, that's Governor Reynolds, and a few other Midwestern senators had a very productive meeting on ethanol and biodiesel, with the president, uh, and I'm hopeful that uh, what comes out, if it comes out on paper the way I think it will, it's a win-win situation, but I can't go into detail on a private conversation, and uh, I wouldn't want to say something that uh, people are hearing that maybe doesn't come out to be a fact, and I obviously don't want to upset anybody that uh, that would uh, uh, be putting this on paper uh, and uh, and not end up with what I think we ended up with with a win-win situation and by win-win it's kind of like uh, that there's uh, you know, uh, small refineries can have a win and ethanol, and corn and soybean producers can have a win, too, in the biodiesel industry. So you think there is, and from what you've seen, without giving us the details, you think there can be, and they seem to be on the path towards what you would consider to be a win-win? Yes. What about when that might come out? Do you have any idea on that? I do not, uh, but... uh, I would expect it to be pretty soon because uh, the president is frustrated on all this. I think you sense it in just the number of meetings he's had. I can't say that he said anything at our meeting that would express that frustration. But obviously, the president spent a lot of time on it. I've spent a lot of time on it. Ernst has. Reynolds has. A few other senators have. And we want to get this behind us. In your discussions with him, uh, do you think, was he surprised at the pushback by the biofuels industry and agriculture on this? I believe so. And uh, without giving any details, he asked uh, some people that are uh, involved with him very closely with his campaign, particularly in the Midwest, and and the president asked for some help of finding a solution. And that was carried out in the sense that uh, I, there may be more than four interests involved here, but let's say soybean, corn, biodiesel, and ethanol. And within these groups of biodiesel and ethanol, 
there may be more than one point of view. But it was kind of an environment where maybe the White House was feeling they couldn't satisfy, uh, you satisfy one group and another group comes in dissatisfied, try to find one position. And that's what these persons were asked to do. And within 36 to 48 hours within the industry, they found that they were all unified on one very important point. And without going to that very important point, that was basically what I think is a win-win situation that if it comes out on paper, like we uh, had an oral discussion about, then I think we're okay. Talking with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, let's get to some other issues. That is um, the the spending bill, the continuing resolution, if that's what it comes to, and now the threats by some, or the, uh, uh, if not a threat, at least a possibility that has been opened by some in the House on the Democratic side that they don't that they could cut the funding for the CCC, which would cut the market uh, facilitation program payments, uh, and the battle that could be looming there. Do you think this could uh, be a, a deal breaker on getting something done on a spending bill? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure that there's a precedent for not making sure that the CC has uh, access to the money that they need from time to time because you never know what it's going to be used for, and it's used very seldom. But it's a very useful tool that the president can use to respond to immediate disasters uh, and unpredictable things. Uh, and it's been it's been on uh, it's been a program on the books since the 1930s, used uh, infrequently in recent years, but still used. And I don't know that Congress has refused to uh, to replenish it. But I'm not sure that I know the whole history of that, so I'm a little cautious when I make that statement. But uh, it seems to me that uh, it's being used responsibly, uh, and I don't know why it wouldn't want to be replenished unless it's being used as a lever by some Democrats for something else. And I haven't heard that it is. That could be a legitimate uh, assumption around this town. So I don't think it's going to be a problem in the end. It, it's not going to shut down the government, if that's what your question is. Mm-hmm. And what about on the Senate side? What, what do you, what's being worked on there on, uh, on the spending bill? Yeah. Uh, the, as you know, the House has passed all their spending bills, and and that's the way it's been done under the Constitution for a long period of time. Uh, and so we're just now getting our bills out of committee. I would expect uh, two or three major spending bills with about 60% of the money. That'd be defense and health and human services. Maybe veterans would be thrown in there, that they would be passed separate appropriation bills funding about 60% of the money that's spent by the government. Uh, the, the other 40% would probably be 
uh, continuing resolution that would have finality uh, by November 22nd. All right, let's go to the trade side. What do you make of China's announcement late last week uh, that really opens the way for some pork and soybean sales to China? Do you think this is a, a thawing of uh, the relations and the impasse or or just a, a, a short-term uh, goodwill gesture by the Chinese? Well, you got me in either or, and, and you never know for sure what, what shit is, but there is a principle about negotiations. If you aren't talking, there's not going to be a negotiation. If you're talking, there is going to be negotiation. So right now, at lower levels of of the special trade representative and the vice premier of uh, China that negotiates, uh, people are talking to get ready for what we consider serious negotiations going on in October. And I don't think if they weren't a serious prospect of having serious negotiations, the president would have decided uh, to relieve, uh, to delay tariffs till October the 15th. So I'm very hopeful. Speaking of tariffs, I know you've been involved in this. What about efforts to curb the president's, not just this president, but any president's powers when it comes to tariffs, putting tariffs on? Well, I would use this in the case of Canada and Mexico when there were tariffs on aluminum and steel for national security reasons, which is the reason the president must give uh, if he's going to exercise tariffs under the 1962 trade law, that it's, uh, that it's really stretching the point that uh, national security is a reason for putting those tariffs on. That's what the president had to declare. But I think the real reason was to force serious negotiation by uh, Canada and Mexico. That serious negotiation was successful. Uh, the president's taken the tariffs off now, but it, it, uh, it got a couple senators to me doing it one way, Portman doing it another way, uh, to, to uh, put some more restrictions on uh, the president's ability to do that. I agree uh, that we need to do more in that direction uh, because Congress explicitly says that the regulation of interstate and foreign commerce is a congressional responsibility, but because you can't always uh, anticipate what what might be some problems, uh, uh, the president has some authority. But it's too much authority, and I'm going to get a bill done in October to curb this authority. Not entirely, but to put some restrictions on it. All right, Senator, as always, thank you for your time. We look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Okay, goodbye. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley joining us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, 
publicity and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Peak performance at harvest is a necessity. It's our expertise. Producers who look to have a successful harvest turn to FS. Our grain systems experts reduce downtime by offering the latest products, innovations, and knowledge to your grain operation. Whether you need a part in a hurry or advice on your equipment, we'll keep you running. At FS, we're always looking for ways to optimize your grain system and ensure during harvest your operation is ready for what's next. So visit FSSystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we have talked before about the potential benefits of gene editing in livestock production, but there is a, a battle going on about oversight of that technology. Should it be with FDA where it's at, or should it be moved to USDA like many in the livestock industry, like the National Pork Producers Council would like to see? Let's talk about it with Dr. Dan Kovich, who is Director of Science and Technology for the National Pork Producers Council. Dan, thanks for joining us again. Why do you feel it's best to have the oversight with USDA? What we're concerned about is what is actually getting approved. Is it the edit or this altered genome, and how does that affect how the descendants of these animals are going to be regulated on farms and ranches? That's where we feel that that post-approval piece that the USDA has the expertise and, more importantly, the existing authority to regulate the descendants of gene-edited animals. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, 
I know I'm a bit rusty and sadly in 09. It was sparks from me. Your handy chains. Dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. So interesting to hear from uh, Senator Grassley. He thinks there is a win-win situation possible on this RFS battle, and we're waiting to see what the uh, White House announces. There are already some leaks coming out now about what it might be. Uh, we'll wait to see when, if and when the president schedules a visit to Iowa. That would indicate they're ready to announce it. And it'll be interesting as we talk with people in the biofuels industry, both on the ethanol and biodiesel side, um, what they're hearing and if they think uh, if they think it's a win for them or not. So we'll we'll be exploring that and uh, reaching out to them here in the days to come. Meanwhile, we had some good news late last week uh, on the trade front with China for both soybeans and pork. Here to talk about it from the pork perspective is the Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, Maria Ziba. Maria, thanks for joining us again. First of all, let's start clear up for us because there's been some uh, questions and uh, um, maybe some confusion about just what did China agree to, to, to not... Uh, Uh, go ahead and increase tariffs like they said they were going to on pork and soybeans or to eliminate tariffs altogether. What was the official position here? What did they do? Well, we are still trying to figure that out. Uh, You definitely lined up a few different scenarios, and um, I think the Chinese have made these announcements, but unfortunately we're still trying to really piece out what that means for our industry. It is very um, it's a positive sign, though, because we haven't been negotiating with them really on, on these issues, and we haven't gotten a lot of information out of them. And for them to make the announcement, I think, is, is a gesture of goodwill. So if they follow through, either way it would be good news. Just one would be even better than the other, right? I mean, if total elimination of the tariffs would be the best news, but even if they don't uh, go ahead and increase what's being done, even that's a positive step. Yeah, for our industry, of course, we would love to get back to a level playing field and have that 12% duty, just like our competitors have. Um, right now, we're paying the 12% duty plus another 60% retaliation. So it's been very difficult for us to compete in that in that Chinese market, despite the fact that they need pork products. And for us, it's definitely a positive, even if it's whatever those details may be in the future. So... You're waiting for the details. Uh, we've heard about in the past, uh, I guess it makes us a little bit skeptical or, or kind of uh, have some concerns or doubts. We've heard about purchases in the past that don't happen. So uh, we're, you're waiting for official confirmation on this, right? Yeah, we're definitely waiting on that confirmation of what this exactly means. Um, and I don't want to speculate on the various scenarios. Um, but this is a positive 
development, and this is ahead of the meeting that they have scheduled in the next month. And if they're already starting to show signs of willing to, uh, willingness to negotiate, we have to take that as a positive. We haven't seen this type of, on the pork side at least, we haven't seen these, this type of rhetoric before. Yeah, and there's been a lot of speculation on whether this is uh, just a goodwill gesture, kind of like we've seen in the past going into talks, or is this a sign uh, of real uh, issues back in China that they're trying to address uh, uh, because of shortages or whatever it may be? I guess time will tell on that. That's correct. We'll have to wait and see what, what this all pans out to be. But as an industry, we're very optimistic about it. Um, like I said, we're paying a 70 plus 72 percent tariff on our pork and pork products, while the rest of the world has to pay a 12 percent duty. So there's definitely a lot of space for improvement on behalf of our industry, and that's what we're looking forward as as a as a positive sign that the Chinese are willing to come to the table. So it's a positive, and we we saw market reaction to it. But just to be clear, it's not like uh, uh, boats are headed there full of pork right now because of this. Not yet. Not until we know what the what this actually means for our industry. I think it's it's a little premature to say what tariffs are coming off, just because we haven't seen the what the details of the announcement are and this was a little bit complicated by the fact that the Chinese had a national holiday so I think you have to take everything um, with a bit of, of a grain of salt and not not overreact yep but it I, is I, positive I, news yeah it's positive but we we shouldn't overreact. So, uh, yeah, so we have to keep it all in perspective, and that's why I wanted to have you on to kind of explain that to, to everyone. Uh, so on the USMCA front, uh, rally last week in Washington, D.C. for support of USMCA. Uh, how, do you, how do you gauge uh, the level of momentum towards passage of USMCA right now in, in Washington? As a pork industry, we also had a fly-in. We had over 120 producers in town, and we the reception that we got on USMCA was very positive. I think we're heading towards a vote um, this year, by the end of the year. That is tremendous for our industry because we are so dependent on that Canadian and Mexican market. Over 40% of our Exports go to Canada and Mexico, so the response that our producers got up on the hill was, we want a vote, we we just, you know, trying to work out the little details, um, but this is a very, a, a very big positive step. And before we let you go real quick, uh, the Japan deal, it's not a done deal either yet, uh, but uh, is it still on track? It seems like that. Um, we are seeing that there there's an announce there's been an announcement that uh, President Trump and Prime Minister Abe, through media reports, they will be meeting next week. And if that is the case, then they should be signing this agreement. And from there, it will it will depend on when the Japanese Diet or Parliament needs to sign off on the agreement as well. So this. We're on track, I think, if if everything goes well. Wow. A lot at stake, a lot on the line. We seem to be close on some things, but uh, not done yet. Maria, thank you for the update. Thank you.
Take care. Maria Ziba, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Another busy show. Lots going on. We'll have more for you tomorrow. Tune in. Join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556.